Welcome to Advancing Our Church. I'm Jim Friend, and I just want to wish all of the moms out in our audience today a belated but very happy Mother's Day. I hope that someone or someones did something special to make you feel special and important today, because your role as Catholic women, Catholic mothers in our church is so, so very critical. Whether you're a Catholic mom, a Catholic stepmom, a Catholic grandmom, the role that you play for our children, for our families is so critical. You are role models and you are so needed in this world today. So thank you for being wonderful Catholic moms to our to our kids and to our community. You are so needed and we're going to continue to pray for you all week. Thank you so much. Today we're going to be speaking with Katie Buller-Goswish and I really enjoyed this interview. I learned so much about human trafficking. Katie is the executive director for the Catholic Sisters Against Human Trafficking and we're going to learn about the organization's efforts to end human trafficking but we're also going to learn specifically how predators cleverly trap both U.S. citizens and immigrants into a life of forced labor, sexual exploitation, and other forms of abuse, and how to be on guard for these traps. We speak specifically about how sometimes college students can get trapped into this life. We'll also hear from Katie about her advice to parents about keeping their kids safe online and how these efforts are being received both nationally and on the global front. But first, before we get started, I just want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Changing Our World. If you're involved with fundraising for a Catholic organization and you're looking to make a significant impact in our world, which I know you all are trying to advance the mission of our church, I know that Changing Our World can help you. Their expert team provides customized philanthropic consulting services. And when I say customized, whether you're a large Catholic organization, a small one, a large parish or a small one, a big diocese, a medium-sized diocese, they have worked with all shapes and sizes. And they have worked in a way that creates a lasting impression that is positive and that brings forth philanthropy and support. So whether you're starting a new fundraising campaign or if you're looking to improve an existing one, Changing Our World can offer the guidance and support you need to achieve your philanthropic goals. So visit Changing Our World today in the show notes of this episode. They're at changingourworld.com and I can't give them a stronger endorsement. Thank you to our friends at Changing Our World for sponsoring this episode. And now, let's get to work. Today, I welcome Katie Bowler Goswish, the executive director of the Catholic Sisters Against Human Trafficking, which was founded in 2013 by a group of Catholic sisters who were committed to ending human trafficking and support survivors. They've created a national network of resources and support that's made up of 110 congregations of women religious and another 70 plus individuals and groups spread throughout the United States. They're also a member of a much larger network called Talitha which is an international network of consecrated life working to end human trafficking. Now, Katie brings over 20 years of experience and great skill to her role. She served as executive director for two Minnesota-based nonprofits, one called Living at Home Network and the other WeCab, both of which focused on serving vulnerable populations with important access to resources like transportation, safe and affordable housing, and medical care. I think you'll find during this conversation that Katie is a committed and vision-driven professional. She's also very well educated in the values of Catholic social teaching. She holds a Master of Arts in Systematic Theology from St. John's University and a Bachelor of Arts in Theology and History from St. Mary's University. And so, without further ado, here is Katie Bowler-Goswitch. 
Well, Katie, welcome to the podcast. So glad to have you here today. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. So you're uh, celebrating the 10-year anniversary of the U.S. Catholic Sisters Against Human Trafficking. That's very exciting. And you're the executive director, and you've been in your role for about a year now? About a year. My anniversary will be on Wednesday, a week from today. That's wonderful. A week from yesterday. Is there a big celebration for your 10-year anniversary? Well, so for our 10th anniversary, we are going to have a a large conference. We we have an annual conference conference. it's national. It's typically every year, um, but we have a big celebration scheduled for September 28 to 30, and we'll be in the Chicago area. Yeah, um, we're going to have many exciting people talking about many important things. Uh, we have Sister Angela Reed. She's a Sister of Mercy. She'll be doing our opening keynote, um, and then we'll have breakout sessions on anything from the financial aspects to human trafficking to child sex abuse material and human trafficking to immigration and how immigration affects human trafficking. Um, We'll have advocacy training, all sorts of things. And then we'll have our big, we have an awards dinner on the Friday of that, um, that conference where we will honor a couple of people and organizations. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the sister Margaret Naki, Bakita, award that we give out. And uh, it's named after one of our foundresses, Sister Margaret Naki, and of course, St. Josephine Bikita, who is the patron saint of uh, human trafficking victims and survivors. Wow. Katie, have you always been in this line of work or what kind of led you to this role that you have right now? Um, So I studied theology in undergraduate and graduate school. And so that is sort of the, the Catholic connection. And then um, I was in parish ministry for many years, then moved into nonprofit work. Um, My passion is for um, protecting children in particular. Um, And so this was a very natural fit for me. Um, I have a a great, great deal of passion around this topic um, and the sexual abuse of children and the just general abuse of children. So sure. Absolutely. And how are you enjoying Michigan? It is. It is lovely, as you can see. Yes. Beautiful Uh, background behind you. Yep. Those are my toothbrush pines. uh, That's what I call them because they don't have needles all the way up and down. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, I enjoy the weather. The weather is a lot more moderate than Minnesota, where I last lived. Okay. My wife is lit. My wife, as I mentioned to you, uh, is from the Detroit area, but she's also spent some time in, in Minnesota, which I heard is pretty harsh. Yeah. It can be. It's very hot in the summer and very cold in the winter. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about um, the origins of of the organization. You're celebrating your 10-year anniversary. How did this coalition come together? Well, I think it's it's not a big secret that Mm -hmm. uh, U.S. women religious are, you you definitely have a heart for uh, justice. And uh, so 10 years ago, a group of sisters were asked to attend a briefing at the White House. And uh, that is really where it all started, when they really saw the need for an organization sort of across the country that could help connect people and resources, uh, you know, from, you know, California to Florida, you know, you have people who are looking for a safe place for a survivor. So how do we connect those people? So we, we offer a great deal of networking in that, in that sense. Uh, they also saw a really great need for um, national, you know, advocacy at the national level for legislation and uh, you know, corporate advocacy um, and education. We see education as a great tool to uh, prevent human trafficking. And if we can prevent 
um, you know, dry up that that supply, um, then maybe the demand won't have anywhere to go. So 10 sisters, not 10 sisters, but 10 years ago, sisters came together in D.C. and it sort of kind of grew out of all of that. Wow. And are you connected to different shelters around the country or how does that work on a practical level when you're when you find folks who are victims of this? So we as an organization do not provide direct services. Sure. What we do is we are connected to many houses across the country who do mm. provide direct services and we're able to reach out to them if we need to or connect one to the other. Um, so we support those houses financially. We support them um in many ways, uh, just just in the networking that we do, they're all sure. able to operate in our one of our working groups, which really guides the work of the of the organization. So, um, yes, we are definitely connected to many many houses across the country. And how does uh, I saw on your website an organization called Talitha Coom? How the that's an international network. How do they play into all this? So Talitha Coom is uh, the sort of the. Um, the anti-trafficking organization that comes out of the UISG. So it really looks at, you know, what consecrated life is doing to to end human trafficking and to protect, um, you know, children, women, men across the world who are victims of labor trafficking, sex trafficking, forced marriage, organ trafficking, um, and others. Um, so Talitha Coom, um, I believe, is almost 15 years old. And they operate as a network of networks. So sort of like we try to really connect people. Um, Talitha Coom, you can only have one member per country. Uh, so we are the U.S. member of Talitha Coom. Um, so we are supported by them in that way. And we take part in many of the things that they do. Um, and then uh, they also really work to kind of connect us even regionally. So we have the Western Hemisphere Conference um, where we, you know, kind of meet on a regular basis to sort of talk about what's going on in our part of the world. Um, so it's a really, it's a great organization. It really is about creating those relationships and building those bridges uh, because we firmly believe that we're stronger together. Oh, hundred percent. Absolutely. How are you seeing the, the U.S. political situation? And since you do a lot of advocacy and lobby and that kind of thing, how, how are they supporting you? How are they not supporting you? And what are you trying to, to get into place? You know, I, I think one of the biggest issues in this country in particular uh, is around the area of forced migration. So we have found that in any given year of the reported, you know, people who actually report that they've been that they've been trafficked, um, there's about 14,000 of people who actually self-report or are reported through law enforcement. Of those, roughly 70% are in some way a part of the immigration system. And individuals who are coming to this country, you know, if they're not coming through a legal channel or, you know, they're being smuggled in, they're, they're much more vulnerable to risk, the risk of human trafficking and, and many other risks. But in this particular case, human trafficking. Um, and so we really strongly feel that if we can do something to mitigate that risk, we'll cut out a chunk of the human trafficking problem in this country. That is not to say that it can't happen to U.S. citizens, because it does. We say it happens to it happens in every zip code. It's just it's just a, a marked number that the State Department has come out with 
And so we see this connection between forced migration where people feel that they have to leave their home countries because of violence, because of famine, because of natural disaster. We see those root causes as playing into uh, human trafficking. And so if we can generate some sort of systemic change to mitigate that risk, that is something that we're really looking forward to doing. Um, you know, it's a timely day because today is the end of Title 42, where uh, the different protections or laws or however you'd like to view them uh, in place during uh, the pandemic will be uh, removed. So it, it'll be an interesting few months. We are planning on doing a rather large um, policy program this summer and in, into next summer, I believe, um, dealing with the issues of forced migration and way to mitigate the risk for people who are encountering migration issues. Sure. Can you can you break that down even to a more practical level? So a family is uh, is forced into migration. They come over here to the states. Um, how does how does it happen? Is it is it do they seek a job and there's a predator at the, the workplace or is it in the neighborhood or who's waiting for them and how are they getting pulled into this? There are there are really so many ways. Um, mm. I feel like traffickers are endlessly creative in their ways of exploiting vulnerable people. Mm. Um, but an example would be um, a mother and father and two children. They get separated on their journey. And pretty soon it's the mother and the two children. And then, you know, they're taken in by someone who says, I can help you. And then they rely on that person. And then it becomes, I can help you if, or I can help you only if you do these particular things. Or you have people who are in human smuggling and human trafficking are different. But when you're entering into any sort of relationship with a with a smuggler to get you across the border um that makes you i mean i think we've seen tons of situations where migrants have been in in great danger just by being smuggled so i really think that you know once they they get into that then it becomes well we can get you this job here and it doesn't tend to be a job it tends to be slave labor or they have to pay off a you know quote unquote debt for getting across the border. Sometimes they, you know, mothers will enter, you know, will will be taken into sex trafficking just to be able to support their children. It's just there are so many different ways that people are at risk. And so creating a, a just and and healthy system of, of migration will reduce that risk. How can we um, how can we as Americans be more aware uh, or keep our eyes open for these situations and be of help to you? Well, I think really it's a lot about being aware, you know, just on, on the everyday, you know, being aware of, of our surroundings, of the people around us. Typically speaking, we know that people have the ability, to, they have some intuition about seeing something. And there are many people who just are like, well, it's not my business. I don't want to get involved. You know, I don't want anybody to get in trouble if they're not doing anything wrong. So I'm just going to kind of turn away. So I think the the easiest answer is the sort of, if you see something, say something. If you think there's something not quite right about a situation or a scenario, uh, you know, making a report to either the human trafficking hotline or to the your local law enforcement calling 911, all you're doing is, is maybe having someone go and check on something. You're not necessarily 
creating, you know, havoc in someone's life, but you, you could be the difference between someone being able to live and someone being able to, to live in fear. And I would imagine because as as Americans, we tend to shy away or we don't want to get involved or whatever. And there's that natural tendency. But if you see something, it's an old saying, you see something, say something, in other words. Right, exactly. And I think that's it's it's definitely part of the human trafficking campaign. I think the State Department or maybe DHS is really big on the if you see something, say something when it comes to human trafficking. Another thing we can do as Americans that I think we don't think about as, as often is is sort of take action with our dollars. Like, how are we spending money? Are we spending money on things that are sustainable, that are that are ethically sourced, that are ethically, you know, that the labor is ethical? You know, I think about, you know, the chocolate industry. That's a huge thing. Um, our clothing, you know, the, this kind of idea that clothing is, is sort of disposable. And so, you know, we just kind of use it and get rid of it and because it's cheap. And when things are cheap for us, it generally means that it's something to look into, that it's something that we should take, you know, a little bit of a deeper dive and, and see where the things that we are buying are coming from and who's producing them. Absolutely. And, and then vote with your money. That makes sense. Where do you see um, these these issues going in the future? Like what's on the horizon? Well, I, I you know, I, I think for U.S. Catholic Sisters Against Human Trafficking or for the country in whole, as a whole? Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, I think for the country, you know, when I look at our understanding of what human trafficking was even 10 years ago versus 15 years ago and 20 years ago, this isn't a new phenomenon. This is something that's been happening for millennia. But the way that we're able to do it, you know, especially with the, the Internet and, you know, being able to travel like we are able to travel now uh, makes it more more challenging. So I do think that because the awareness is growing, we're at a point where we can start to say, okay, what's driving the demand? You know, who's buying, who's selling, who's being sold, who's being bought and, and working to mitigate risk on the one hand and to prosecute on the other. So we, we need, I, I think, you know, our laws are catching up, um, but but laws usually lag behind technology and technology. This is a very, especially in sex trafficking, technology seems to be a big part of that. But even in labor trafficking, when you're looking at like forged documents and, and you know, things like that. So you really have to have people in leadership levels who can kind of anticipate the next steps. So as a country, I think, you know, we're getting to the point that we're becoming more aware. And I think that is that is exceptionally key to begin to approach this and mitigate the risk for people who are more vulnerable to uh, traffickers, be it sex trafficking, labor trafficking, whatever. As an organization, Mm -hmm. um, I would say, you know, we're we're really coming into our own. We're really uh, defining and clarifying our our aims, our objectives and really creating those key relationships to really try, because I think the key to all of this is to be in relationships. So, you know, we're a nonprofit, so we need to be in relationship with law enforcement, with education, with healthcare. Healthcare is a huge thing. People who are trafficked are often taken to healthcare facilities, particularly like emergency rooms and urgent cares. Uh, You know, so what are we doing? as an organization to educate healthcare workers. And that's, as it turns out, quite a bit. 
we really see ourselves as as being in relationship with others, and that is the key to ending human trafficking. You mentioned healthcare workers. I would imagine there's a number of different organizations that you partner with, or at least communicate with, from just a networking uh, perspective, yes. and other 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 faith-based organizations that you work with. Yes, uh, yes to both. So mm -hmm. we work with a variety of different organizations: uh, Catholic Health Associ Association, Catholic Charities USA. That tends to cover a lot of health and a lot of faith-based organizations. Sure. There are other, um, like I said, we were, were connected to houses across the country that are faith-based. Um, you know where where they they act out of the the call to justice. So we all sort of have to work together and share resources and share best practices and ways to grow and learn and be more effective. As, uh, as parents, I, I'm the father of three young adults and I, and I worry about them all the time being away at college. Um, as parent, how common is it for Americans, just regular citizens like you and me to be uh, kidnapped or trafficked or pulled into this kind of a world? Yeah, I, I think the the key word is pulled in. It's not, I know that, you know, a while ago there was a movie called Taken and that sort of set up this, this kind of idea right. about how human trafficking happens. And I think that while that movie did a great job getting the issue of human trafficking in front of the average person, it doesn't often, though it can, happen where people are kidnapped and taken into, you know, a van and then, you know, sold overseas. And but it happens right here. And it's typically uh, a grooming process. So you traffickers look to see, you know, who they think they can get. They work on, you know, building that relationship. And pretty soon it's if you love me, you'll do this. And then pretty soon it's if you don't do this, I'm going to hurt X, Y or Z. Um, sometimes it's family members who traffic and very oftentimes it's family members who are the traffickers. So familial trafficking is a huge thing. Trafficking is becoming a, a big thing on college campuses. Like you mentioned, you know, being worried about young adults on college campuses. So, you know, students who are worried about paying their tuition are looking for different ways to, to make money. And then there's, you know, sugar daddy dating, or, you know, there's all these different, like I said, endlessly creative if they could just channel their creativity into something else, it would be nice. It, it's, it's just as parents, to go back to your original question, how do we approach this? I think the key is to start early and start young. And even if you haven't done this, you can always build it back in, but really working on boundaries. What is okay for you? Who is this and who does this belong to you? Who's okay to touch it? Only if you say, you know, different things that you can kind of gradually build on as your child ages. So you talk about the word no. What does the word no mean? What does the word stop mean? How do we know if somebody is listening to us or not listening to us? How do we know what to do in a situation where we don't feel safe? And when do we start, you know, dealing with that? Especially, I don't know if you have girls or not, but girls are, are much more societally uh, inclined or trained to be polite. Mm -hmm. um, because you don't want to be, you don't want to sound mean, you don't want to come across as harsh. And sometimes being polite can get you into trouble because you don't want to, you don't want to offend anybody. And so if somebody's behind you and you're worried about it and you're walking to your car at night, um, you know, and that's more of a, a kidnap situation, but... But, you know, 
these are times where I think we really need to teach our children that boundaries are key. And if people aren't respecting your boundaries and they're trying to manipulate you, then that's something to look at and talk about little red flags. You know, what are the, these little incremental steps that people are getting to get you to a point where you're going to do something that, that you don't want to. And probably identifying those red flags too, and be mindful one incident might happen and we might overlook it or they might overlook it. But if it's a, if there's a pattern that develops, then Right. Train them in that way. Yeah. I definitely would agree that, you know, and it, it's so it's it applies across so many, you know, there's intimate partner violence where that's the same thing where, you know, it happens one time and you decide to overlook it. Then it happens a second time and then it happens a third time. And every time you can sort of talk yourself out of doing what you know is right for you. And and it's so it's teaching our kids and it's not just girls, it's boys, too. It is absolutely 100% boys too. You know, we're seeing a ton of sextortion. I know the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, they have a great program for uh, middle and high school youth uh, covering the issue of sextortion. And they do have a lot on uh, things for elementary students, especially around online safety. That's another big issue. So you sure. issue. That's where traffickers, you know, they get them in video games and social media and you know, all sorts of places where they find a way to, to get at children. Well, that, yeah, you, you led into my next question. You had hinted at online before. Maybe tell us a little bit for the parents that are listening or even if there's a, others that are listening. Right. What are some of the warning signs when it comes to social media? Because they're on it quite a bit. Well, you know, for, for me, I wouldn't have children on social media until they're much older. So I would say sophomore, junior year of high school. You want to be able to to have them on it while they're still in your household so they know how to use it properly so you can teach them what is okay but i I, was it the surgeon general that just came out talking about how bad social media is for children that's outside of trafficking then there are the traffickers who you know get into the instant messages who you know kids will just pick up you know random friends they don't necessarily know who these people are and I, I believe there's a new statistic about, and I, I don't remember it, but it's like one in three kids by, I don't know, their teens, and I'm not sure what teen, but 18 age, have have sent um, nude photographs, either by text or over social media. And, and then that's used against them. And they say, well, if you don't send me more, I'll send this to your entire friends list, or I'll post it on the community page, or I'll send it to all of your teachers or any number of different little threats. And I think it's key to remember that getting law enforcement involved is exceptionally important. I I can't stress that enough. And if you go through like the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, they'll help you walk through that. It's it's a great resource. Our website has resources for online safety under the education tab. You know, we have a, a lot to teach our kids with how to use social media, email, the gaming system. I don't think people think about games, but games where you can interact with other people, that's another way, that's another avenue that that traffickers try to get in. So I sort of think about it like sort of you're sealing. So you're building a little foundation around your kids and you're, you're trying to seal off the cracks so that things that shouldn't get in, don't get in. And there's a variety of different ways to do that. It's a, 
it's challenging. Real quickly, another yeah. uh, resource for parents um, that you can put on phones. Right. And uh, so you have it on your phone and then it has it on, you know, it covers all of your kids' devices. It's an app called Bark. It's Bark. a subscription-based and it's got a little dog in the icon. But it's a great... Um, I have found it to be immensely helpful and it catches so many, like my, one of my kids was doing research on world war one and I got a, I got a, an alert for violence because she was uh, talking about trench warfare in one of her, you know, so there, so it catches, it has some sort of algorithm that, you know, it's able to filter through everything else and, and, you know, pick up keywords that might indicate trouble. And it, we actually did, you know, that was, that was benign. But we had a, um, a game on one of my child's phones was trying to show inappropriate ads. Oh. I mean, so, I mean, it was able to screen that. So it, it's been very helpful and effective, I think. We'll put a link to Bark in the show notes of this episode yes. for any parents that are looking for it. Absolutely. Katie, what is the um, how do you see the role of a faith based organization like yourself playing kind of on the national scene? I, yeah, it's it's gratifying as a Catholic to know that. Uh, the sisters are banding together, you know, around the world, not just in our own country, uh, to to fight sex trafficking. But it's it feels like as as Catholics, we have something. I mean, we have something to say in 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 the world place, the world marketplace, if you will. And um, how do you see our our faith playing a role in sex trafficking, and in maybe even in other political issues that you encounter that might be related to what you do? Sure. So you know, U.S. Catholic Sisters Against Human Trafficking is you know, deals with both sex and labor trafficking. So that's, that's one aspect. But I, I think that a faith-based organization that professes a belief in the inherent dignity of humanity, because they are made in the image and likeness of God, that is the starting point. And when you start from there, you have a lot of credibility because most people who are working, you know, in, in government, law enforcement, education, healthcare, they have that belief too. And so you have this commonality. And so because Catholic sisters have a great history and a great track record when it comes to justice work, from the death penalty to creation, to anti-human trafficking, you know, that gives us a very solid base to operate from. So we have a, we have a great reputation we have this inherent belief and that inherent belief is really fuel for this journey, which can be very tough sometimes, many times, a lot of the time. Sure. I can imagine. And do you ever find that, um, that because you represent a faith-based organization, does that provide obstacles or does it provide a, a forum or a common ground for folks to come together around this issue? I think generally speaking, it, it provides common ground because the, the issue is not, you know, what I believe about God. The issue is what I believe about how we were created by God. And, and that, you know, obviously we operate from a faith-based standpoint. I mean, starting, sure. that's where we start. And I have never found that I have been discounted because I come from a faith-based organization. I think because, again, the Catholic sisters, they have this reputation and they have this history and they, they have the ability in their uh, humility to get things done. You know, if you want something done, I can't think of anyone better to ask than a Catholic sister because it just gets done. They're very, very, um, they sort of fly under the radar. You know, they're not looking for their own glory. 
They're not looking for their name in lights. They're really looking to move forward the idea of the, you know, the inherent dignity of humanity based in that created in God's image and likeness. So for me, I haven't encountered a real big issue with that. Um, people are willing to hear from us, talk to us, and we're everywhere. So that helps. Wonderful. Katie, how can we support you in, in your mission? What are you looking for from us as, as the laity? Uh, boy, that's a really good question. There are many different ways to be supportive. Going onto our website, looking at our resources, reading and learning and teaching the people that you love about this situation and this issue, teaching your kids, you know, bringing it to the parish level. There are safe environment programs in every parish across the country. And I don't know that human trafficking, and I don't know that it isn't, but I don't know that it is a huge part of anyone's safe environment training. And it certainly could be, you know, really encouraging your local Catholic charities to get involved if they're not, they probably are, but if they aren't, reach out to them and say, okay, what are we doing for this? Reach out to your diocesan office and ask the same question. You can join us. We are not just uh, Catholic sisters. I'm not a Catholic sister. We are actually, we have 115 congregations of US women religious. Uh, we're supported by the Leadership Conference of Women Religious. And then we have over 100 other organizations and individuals who are members. And members can really, uh, you know, join in, join a working group. We have a variety of different working groups that work on different aspects of our mission. And uh, more hands, lighter load. Katie, how can folks find you? I, I will leave a link to the, in the show notes of this episode, but uh, any other ways that we can find you either on social media or online? Yes. So you have the, I, I think I see a scrolling banner across the bottom with our website. You do. Uh, we are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I think that's it for, okay. for socials as much as we talk about them. We have a mailing list that you can sign up for. Sure. Uh, members get special member benefits. If you're in the Chicago area or close or not close, please come to our annual conference. We would love to have you out there. So, Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Well, Katie, thank you so much for taking some time with us today to really uh, lay out what the issue is and, and how we as, as Catholics around the country can hopefully help you and empower you and your mission even more and, and be advocates uh, for getting rid of uh, sex trafficking in our country and really around the world. We really appreciate all the work you're doing. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was uh, it was a pleasure. Thanks thank so you. much. God bless. I want to thank Katie for sharing her experiences and insight on the important work of the Catholic Sisters Against Human Trafficking. We are so grateful for your commitment to serving these vulnerable populations and for keeping our kids safe and for the inspiring leadership that you provide. If you'd like to learn more about the Catholic Sisters Against Human Trafficking, or if you'd like to connect with Katie or for a link to the Bark app that we discussed on today's show, be sure to check out the links in the show notes of this episode. Thanks again, Katie. Well, that's our show this week. I want to thank you, our listeners, for joining me on today's show. I hope you found this conversation valuable and that it has inspired you in some way to take action in advancing the mission of our church. And if this is your first time listening to Advancing Our Church, I hope you're going to stick around and subscribe. You can find us on all places where you download your favorite podcast. You can find us on YouTube. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can even find us on LinkedIn. And for more information about our show and for a complete listing of all of our 
episodes, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. And once again, many thanks to our sponsor, Changing Our World. You can find a link to their website in the show notes of this episode. Well, that's it for me, everybody. I hope you're getting ready for a great summer. Have a great week. Take care. We'll see you next time. God bless.